You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable Podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Well, once again, good morning, Corland. Good morning. It is like 7.30 on a Thursday. It's, it's fall. It's foggy. It's, it's beautiful, though. It smells great outside. Does it? Yeah. Okay. Well, well thanks for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> To another episode of the Roundtable Podcast. Uh, this is our off-the-record episodes where we, Corlin and I, come with, I guess I should, hi, my name's Andrew. And this hi. is Corlin. Hello there. And uh, especially if you're new to the podcast, thanks for tuning in. But uh, for these off-the-records, we come with a few ideas to talk about things that either have happened Made to us, us think this a little bit. week or, yeah, things that we've just been kind of mulling over and uh yeah we just kind of go back and forth so i only have one this morning that's left over from last week remember when i was like oh membership or baptism oh, that's two weeks ago now oh there you go yeah. um so and then corlin has four we'll see if we get so through them. our episodes just get longer he, and longer every single a lot more than i do <laughs> <laughs> i i overthink i, I don't... do remember when you at life group corlin was like so like new things thoughts exciting things that you're thinking about and i was just kind of like no yeah i got nothing <laughs> <laughs> i work and then i go home and i'm tired and i play with my kids and i go to bed i don't think about things <laughs> that's, that's probably not true but in it, the moment i was like i cannot think of anything so anyways why don't you go first um since you have more than i do all right so for the first thing that i have for this morning this wonderful morning is Something that I have, I feel like I haven't wrestled with the question, but it's something that came into my mind of like, it's, it's a curious thing that God has done with this. But if as a church, we're meant to be so unified, why did God make us all so different and so opinionated? And I mean that for everybody. Like, I, I think it's really, really easy for us in our own camps to look at other people's point of view and be like, they're opinionated. It's like the fact that you're even saying that means that you hold pretty highly your own opinion, mm-hmm. opinionated. Right. So I, I don't know. I'm just curious. You've, you've done church ministry longer than I have. Um, and, and I'm just curious, what do you think is the reason that God made us all I mean, you get the classic answers, the Sunday school answers of like, well, if we were all the same, we'd all be robots. And it's like a fair, but like, <laughs> I, it's God. Like we also say that he can do what he pleases with his creation. And we're like, can the clay say anything? But on that answer, we're always like, well, then we'd be robots and it isn't the same. So, but you know, I like your <laughs> impression of a Sunday school person. <laughs> well, well, I'm trying to, I'm copying the Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whew, that's a, that's a, I don't know if that's an answerable question. Why did God make us so different? I don't know. Because uh, boom, done. Well, it's <laughs> yeah, we could speculate. Um yeah, I think cuz we just had a sermon about, you know, church unity when Jesus prays in the high priestly prayer and in John 17, his his main theme is that we, like his disciples, his followers would be one. Um, even as he and the father are one. So like pretty, pretty one, like unified. Um, But then, yeah, you read church history and it's like, uh, uh, you just, we aren't one or we're. Yeah. So I think maybe one, one aspect of why it's so hard to be unified is just sin. So it's not really that God 
he gave us an impossible task. It's we've completely messed it up because of sin. And I think that does play into it. Like we just cannot, we find unity very hard because we're just so sinful and I want to be right. And then I will manipulate to get my way or I will despise Mm -hmm. you because you think differently because those are all just sinful tendencies. There's Mm -hmm. nothing Christ-like about me wanting my way. Right. Um, That's why even in marriage, it's hard to be one because like Molly and I, when we've done premarital counseling 99 if not 100 percent of our conflict in marriage is just because i'm sinful and selfish Hmm. and she's sinful and selfish and i just want my way yeah i'd say at least 99 percent of yep if not 100 percent of all our arguments and fights in marriage is like so i don't think on one hand i don't think we can say like unity is so hard because God made us so different. I'm like, yeah, we have different personalities and things like that. Yeah. But I think unity is just really hard because sin, we're just really sinful people. Like when you were speaking, the one thing that came to mind was uh, the tower of Babel where, uh, yeah, they all were united, but around a really evil thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so they're all, they have one language. Um, let's build a tower and a city for ourselves, make a name for ourselves. And it says God comes down and sees the city and the tower. And he says, okay, they're one people. They all have one language. This is only the beginning of what they they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. And so he does that, right? And then they're spread all over the world. So on one hand, I'm like, does that have something to do with it? That like we were unified but around a really sinful, evil thing. Like, let's make an idol. Let's make a name for ourselves. And God's like, yeah. oh gosh, this is, what else are they going to do that's super wicked? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. You. What have your thoughts been? What are my thoughts? I, I don't even know how to verbalize them. I'm, I'm kidding. I always do. I got verbal diarrhea. So the first place that my mind goes is actually into first Corinthians chapter 12, where, where Paul talks about spiritual gifts. Um, yep. It's not quite the same as whether or not you're voting to do communion one way or another, but mm-hmm. I think there is an element that, that God has designed us in specific ways, mm-hmm. each one of us individually so that we work together well as a body. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if you are ever trying to build a Lego kit and it comes with all the exact same piece, chances are it's not going to look as good as if you have different pieces to mm-hmm. be able to make up the different angles, the different shapes, the di- like everything so that it works together. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the church works kind of like that. And mm-hmm. we, I mean, let's be honest. When we look at each other, we often are like, well, why aren't they more like me? Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. And, and just, just take a second. If you, if you didn't catch it that with that statement, think of how sinful that is that you would look at someone and say, why aren't they like me? when you yourself and everyone in the church is meant to be imitating Christ. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that our differences, uh, are actually the sin or are actually mm-hmm. the, the, uh, strife that we experience between each other. I think it's sin that does that. Yeah. Um, so now there, there are examples where someone with a differing view might come and, and try and teach something that isn't scriptural and those things. Yeah. They should cause, uh, friction to put it lightly right we should stand very firmly on the truth and they shouldn't be things that we have leeway and there should be uh 
disagreements on mm-hmm. theology if people are bringing up wrong things mm-hmm. as teachings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they shouldn't just be put by the wayside of, oh, that's cool that you view it that way, right? There is only one way to know God the Father, and that's yep. through Jesus Christ. If anyone says anything else, then yeah, it needs to be put uh, under scrutiny, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there, like we talk about so often, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but we have small differences that at the end of the day, it's something that isn't a salvation issue. Sure. Um, and so we can live as brothers and sisters in Christ and yeah. continue to honor each other and continue to contend for truth and, and work through and where that lands. Um, but to do so, like you said, the marriage example is really good for people who aren't married. It might not, yeah. it might not have the same weight to it. Uh, but it would be similar then to any good friend that you have. You probably don't see eye to eye. No. I have a really good friend. Uh, and there, the amount of times that him and I have had uh, what I would classify as a heated discussion, not in the sense that we're angry with each other, but in the sense that we get, we're passionate about the point that we're presenting yeah. um, is high. Like we, we have disagreed on many, many things and yet he is my, like outside of marriage, he's my best friend. Yeah. Right. And I would say that consistently, I wouldn't even doubt it for a second. So those, I think it's possible to have disagreements and not actually sin against each other and and hating each other or growing with malice against each other. Right. Like, yeah, I think in like 15, so this is, I think you're 15 in church ministry for you. Yeah. Um, all, and I've been through quite a bunch of church conflict, um, none caused by me. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I, as I thought back, yeah, all of it was just caused by sin. None of it was like real, real church disunity and fighting and splits. And I've never actually been a part of a church split, but close. Um, it was never like... Oh, just because your personality is different than me, it was like, it was a sinful attitude of yeah. like, or it was just sin that was done in the church. Like, so, you know, the first church that I worked at, um, I was interning and I was there for a, a few months and then there was a massive conflict between the lead pastor who had been there for, I think 14 years and the elders board. And you know how there's always two sides to every story, yep. but essentially you know, the elders board wanted him gone and he kind of dug his heels in and said, no, I'm never leaving. And, da, da, da. and so, so selfish attitudes on both yep. sides, yep. both sides thought they were right. And it just blew up into this massive church fight that yeah. I don't think even to this day, the church has ever really recovered from. I kind of viewed it as the church is kind of limping yeah. because of that issue. Yeah. But it was just a sinful on both sides, right? Yeah. And then um, the second church I worked at, again, and I laughed because I'm like, maybe it's me. Every church I go to has issues. <laughs> but uh, was the youth pastor. And within a few months of being there, the lead pastor uh, had an affair and it was exposed and he was fired. And so massive church fighting. Yeah. But it was caused by Sin. sinfulness, right? Yeah. And then people's reaction to that sinfulness, and they some of them reacted in a sinful way. You know, yes. what I, so like, yep. I think so much of I think of e- even here the conflicts that we've had at North Peace, like 
usually are caused by sin or a reaction that is or, sinful. Or they're they're magnified by sin. Yeah, like right? we in in, in our, my eight years here, we haven't had anything catastrophic like an affair or someone's embezzling money or blah blah blah. You know, like you read within about, church leadership and stuff. Yeah, sorry, that's yeah. What I meant that there's nothing. There's been no atomic bombs of like. Yeah. But there's just been we've hurt each other because we're sinful human beings. And then what often compounds the problem is that then we respond in more sinful, hurtful ways yeah. rather than like, yeah. okay, sin happened. Let's deal with it in like a godly way. Yeah. And then I, I think that's what just causes so much yeah. disunity or even, or even when we fight about differences of opinion, we do it in an ungodly sinful yep. way. And then yep. that, just, right. There's, but, there's but ways is, for you and me to like, yeah, I disagree with you about church membership yep. from yep. the last time. And yeah. to go, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you and I have had heated discussions yeah. about church like, membership. I don't hate Corland. I don't think he's an idiot. I just, I, we don't, I don't have like bitter, angry thoughts. I just go, okay, I think you're wrong. And you go, yeah. okay, I think you're wrong. And we just go, okay. Like, yeah. So, but there's people then, and I don't want to say, I, I do this too. There's people that when, if we would have an argument like that, then it's like, now I'm going to have like, angry sinful thoughts about you because you think differently yeah. and then that just snowballs into like and i think we like andrew's not kidding when he says that it happens to us too because it does right these are mm. when we're talking about things that we're incredibly passionate about no matter what they are right yeah. whether it's an issue of doctrine whether it's an issue of theology whether it's an issue of what someone wore at a church one day like we mm. are all sinful there are times where you will probably catch yourself uh, or the Holy Spirit will convict you that you are not handling something like that in yeah. a Christ-like manner. But that doesn't mean that the person that you're talking to might be without sin, right? Yeah. I think we I think we do that where we, when we interact with a situation, we only view the other side as being wrong. Yeah. As Christians, we do this all the time. As humans, we do this all the time. And the truth of the matter is, is that both parties are sinful. Yeah. Both parties are not without sin, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of a humbling thought. And this is something I found in the marriage example for myself in, in our marriage is the amount of times that I've been frustrated in our marriage. And then I recognize that my frustration is out of my own sinful desires. Yeah, totally. And I'm not actually like, there's nothing righteous about why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty convicting when you're sitting there and you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Jesus the loves this person. Me. <laughs> I, Jesus has forgiven me for a great sin. I okay I yeah I can do this one thing then mm -hmm. and I can sacrifice in this mm -hmm. way and not like not compromise on my values not compromise on totally. my convictions I can compromise in this way or I can at least even if that compromise is choosing to say hey I disagree with you on this let's keep talking about it but right now I'm I'm at odds with this too mm -hmm. much I'm noticing that I need to take a break a breather totally. let's do that right like it it doesn't just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean that they are wrong. Yeah, and we talked about that during the COVID stuff, right? The art of disagreeing. Two part yep. podcast you can listen to. Yep. But yeah, I think as Christians then we just don't know how to disagree well and then that just compounds issues because and we saw that with COVID. It was just yep. like you have a different opinion than me. Wah blasphemy, you are an evil person and blah blah yep. blah. And it's just kinda like we just aren't good at I think it is, and we, I won't repeat myself, but it is an art to just kind of like, so I'll give you another example. Um, recently, the whole like God's sovereignty versus free will yeah. issue yep. has been bubbling, and I have more reformed thoughts on that. 
meaning like I I think God uh, when when it says that all throughout John that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him Ephesians 1 that you've been predestined before the foundation of the world I've said in numerous sermons like you know God chooses us I don't know how that works yeah and yet you read scripture and the idea of free will meaning like that we have a responsibility to choose and we're held accountable and God's sovereignty seem to go hand in hand and it's interesting. I could see, because I've caught myself, like having to explain to to people and then assumptions are made and this and that. Yep. I've even, this week, I had a conversation with someone on the phone that, did I hear you correct that we're, we no one has free will and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no. But I could see how it would be really easy to be like, these stupid people, you know what I mean? Yep. Like to just, yep. in a sinful way, be like, yep. no one sees it the way I do. And I've just had to be like, no, no, this is this is not worth fighting about because people can view it differently than me and that's fine. Right. And that's, and it really is fine. If you believe this way and I believe that way, it's okay. And, and yet I think that the disunity comes in when our like sinful attitudes go, well, then if you believe that, then like, then, the, then I jump to the conclusion that you necessarily believe that. And it's like, no, I never, we never said that. Or, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. So again, and you know, from the sermon on Sunday, that it's the gospel that unites us. Um, that is what our unity is built around. It's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Those kind of fundamental things that make you a Christian. And I think we just have to continually go back to that, right? When yeah. we're arguing about church membership, I have to continually go back to, okay, Corlin still believes in salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Jesus. We're still brothers in Christ. We can totally disagree about this yeah. and that's fine. <laughs> yep. And I, I think too, one, one other thing that I think could be good to touch on with this is, uh, leaving churches because of disagreements. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a huge and sensitive topic, right? Cause most people in their life have experienced that most, mm-hmm. not, not all, but most. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's important to say that I think that there is room still, to to obviously if you are disagreeing consistently with it and you are say you come to a point where you're like hey as your brother in christ i am noticing that it is really hard to like not sin in this area and and Mm -hmm. have sinful thoughts towards how we have these conversations even for a season or even for whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna hop over here i think we often look at like our individual church bodies, like as an example, the North Peace MB is like, we are the church, right? If somebody (laughs) leaves to a different one, we're like, yeah, they left the church. It's like, well, they left your body, but they like your specific corner. Yeah. But they're still a part of the church, right? Unless they denounce the faith or whatever, like wherever your viewpoints are on that, they're not leaving the body of Christ, right? If we have believers that are saying, hey, I do not want to sin in this area. Yeah. I love you as a brother. I disagree with you. I have found a group of people that, that align more with what I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go there. Yep. I don't think that that's wrong. I no. think that it would take much prayer. I don't think that that's something that you should just wishy-washy be back and forth, right? We talked about membership last week of being yep. committed to a body, and I think there is... Uh, and I've even seen it in my life, people working through, struggling through whether or not that's the decision that they need to make for them or their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, there's lots of people that I've seen make those decisions that I respect highly because our 
our little church or your little church, no matter where you're at, is not the answer, mm-hmm. right? There are things here that aren't 100% correct. There are things at the other church that aren't 100% correct, right? right? No matter where you go, you won't find it exactly the way you like it because yeah. we are so different, uh-huh. right? Yep. No, I think there was one pastor I was trying to look up uh, what his name was. Thriving in Babylon. What was it? Larry Osborne. That's his name. I heard him speak once. And he basically said, like, I love about this idea of, like, Christians getting mad about things. And I'm going to go to a different church. And it was like, give it enough time and you'll be mad about something there. And yep. you'll just be a chronic church hopper because there's always things to disagree about. Yep. But I loved his analogy. He said, like, that sometimes when people leave churches to go to a different one, we get all bent out of shape. Like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they've abandoned our church to go somewhere else. He said, like, do, do you, this was his analogy. Like, so, yeah, you go to a Starbucks and the service is bad there. So you're like, I'm never coming to this Starbucks again. And then you go to a different one. He's like, do you think Starbucks cares which Starbucks you go to? Yeah. They're all the same. Yeah. And so he was saying, when you're like, this church is bad, I'm going to a different one. He was like, do you think God really cares? If it's like a solid, yep. we preach the gospel church. Yep. And I was just like, huh. yeah, that's true. Our Our view of like, you disagree on this minor point. I'm going to a different church. He's like, do you think God really cares? Like... So I was like, oh, that's an interesting perspective. But so I, I think that there you will always have a reason to leave a church. You always will. Yeah. And we I've we've in my eight years here, we've had people leave because of kids ministry, because of worship, because of women in ministry, because all these secondary things. Yeah. And we've seen I've actually seen people go to almost every other church in town and they and make their way back. back here. And it's just kind of like, yeah. oh, you're back. Give it enough time and yeah. and you'll disagree about so something. So I think that that's where the consideration and the conviction needs to come. Because sure. if you're, I think that there is legitimate reasons Absolutely. to leave churches. Totally. Even if they teach sound doctrine, I yep. think there's legitimate reasons to leave. Yep. Um, so I'm not, yeah, we're not trying to say like, oh yeah, well, you're just going to make your way back to that same church, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. No, but not, not what I'm saying. There is legitimate reason, yeah, but even, it needs to be carefully considered yeah. and talked about. And I, yeah. Even recently there was a family that we sat down and they just shared that it was really hard to keep coming because they disagreed about some certain theological things. And I actually really respected them because they said, we don't want to just become bitter over these things. So yeah. we think it would be healthier for us to go somewhere else. And I went, God bless you. I think that's actually very mature. Yep, I would agree. And it wasn't leaving because the gospel wasn't being preached. It was over secondary things. But they said, we we can we don't want our hearts to become bitter. Yep. So we're going to go somewhere else with it more. And I said, love you. Like, yeah. totally. I have no hard feelings at all. Yep. So that, I totally respect. Uh, it's a way that it was navigated in a healthy yep. way. They didn't leave in a huff. They didn't. Totally. And that's not to say that there isn't, uh, maybe feelings on either side that you don't recognize. Sure. But that being said, like you said, respect them for it, yep, right? Totally. And as followers of Christ, it's important to do that, to recognize that Christ is what unifies us, like what you said earlier. Topic number two. Here we go. So I was sent 
<laughs> oh boy. A Facebook post. I knew it. Someone was like, what do you think about this? Like, Oh boy. So I have the Facebook post up All right. and I just want to, it's a, it's related to baptism. Ooh. So I, I'm just not going to use names for privacy things, but That's fair. someone, people listening might be like, I know who you're talking about, but be mature about it. So <laughs> the post says this, if the media, if the immediate response to the gospel we preach is consistently different to the response of the gospel the apostles preached, we need to take a serious look at our preaching. Are we preaching a different gospel? So before you like, actually, I want you to respond to that because then I'll read some of the some of the comments to because it kind of flushes out what they mean. Okay. But so, so if we preach the gospel and the response we get is consistently different than the response the apostles got when they preached the gospel, are we are we preaching a different gospel? So I'm guessing by the response being different and you saying it was about baptism, you're talking about how, you know, it talks in the Bible about people believing and being baptized and, and like yeah. like the course of events is very quick. Yeah. And so, then nowadays when you preach you have Christians who are Christians for thirty five years and you're like, Why uh-huh. aren't you baptized? And they're like, Oh, I'm just not ready yet. Yeah. So here's the um one of the comments. It says, For example, when the Jews asked Peter, What must we do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy spirits. And they immediately took action and it was repentance and being baptized and then receiving the spirit today. When people today, many people when asked what to do to be saved, we would say just believe in Jesus or repent and believe. Both of these are different than how the early church preached the gospel. So, so let me just, if you, if you're like, huh? So this person is saying the gospel that the apostles preached was repent and and be baptized and you'll receive salvation. And today we just say repent and believe in Jesus. Yeah. So as you kind of like dig into this, what really is being said is that baptism is not, it's not what saves you. And I've heard this argument so many times. Yeah. So you would say, you would ask this person, so wait, wait, are you saying that in order to be saved, I have to be baptized? No, 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 That's not what I'm saying. But but look at the example. Like, But that's what it says. We're baptized. Yeah. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. So I don't know. What do you think? I, How do you make sense of that? Because th- I'll read it. Like Acts 2. Yep. Go for Peter it. Peter pre- preaches the gospel. Huge sermon. It says that uh, in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter (laughs) said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says uh, those who received his words were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So I think... So his, sorry, his whole argument is like, this is the gospel that the apostles preached. Repent and be baptized and, and look yeah. at the response. Thousands of people. And the gospel that we preach is repent and believe in Jesus. And we don't have the same response. So, yeah, I, I think that we always look for formulas, um, right? So we will look for things that say, do this plus this, then you will have this result, right? So if he's going to say, look, if we preached, repent and be baptized, then more people would be saved. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I mean, the classic example that's brought up is the thief on the cross. Jesus says today you'll be with me in Mm -hmm. paradise. 
and he was probably only baptized in his own blood because he was on a cross. Couldn't go like, I doubt anyone even sprinkled him with water. Right. Yeah. Like, so you have an example like that where you're like, well, he didn't and yet he did mm-hmm. right he didn't he wasn't baptized and yet he as uh, best we know from what scripture says he was with jesus in paradise right mm-hmm. so there's interesting stuff like that i think i will say i think that we as a church i think that we do maybe oh, i want to choose my words carefully um yeah we should baptize people right away i is what you're trying to say yeah <laughs> totally. but i i think that we like I don't think we do a good job of explaining baptism and I don't think we do a good job of, of explaining the rest of scripture to show why baptism is even something that we do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's where some of the, the, the unknowns come from it, where you have the person who's been a Christian for 20 years and never been baptized. Sure. Because why, why should I, I, yeah. you know, I, I think that in, in the story of, the narrative of the Bible, we see that baptism comes after a step of faith in Yahweh. Yep. Always, right? No matter which story it comes after, the the act of going through a body of water and into a promised land or into new life is mm-hmm. always after a step of faith. So when we look at that as Christians, if we are making a, a commitment to follow Jesus and we are taking that step of faith... Yep. To, to trust in him for our salvation and, yep. and believe that everything he's done is true, yep. then the next step is to do yep. that, right? It's a public confession of that. So I, I would say that, yeah, I think that, like, even when I was young, there was kids, and I've seen kids here get baptized quite early on after they become Christians, but I remember having friends that, no, well, you're not allowed to get baptized till you're 13 or till you're 16 yep. or whatever, because yep. you have to understand, and I there was kids that wanted to get baptized that mm-hmm. were believers in Jesus. Yeah. And now to this day, to my knowledge, they're still not because yeah. well, why? Yeah. Right? We've What's baptized eight year olds, nine year olds here. Cause I'm like, if you can like in a, if you can like clearly, you know, articulate the gospel and how you're saved and you believe and it, you believe it, then why wouldn't we baptize you? Yeah. Like, but in our old church in Maple Ridge, the age was 12. So if an 11 year old came and said like, Jesus has saved me from my sins and I want to follow him and I want to take the step of obedience to be baptized. We would say, sorry, sorry. kid, come well, back yeah, next year, which is awful. Yeah. So here's, here's the problem with this post. This person is reading Acts chapter two and then making massive assumptions. Yep. So th- this is what I mean. So they're saying, look at the response when the apostles preached 3000 people. Okay. Read Acts 19. What was the response when the apostles preached? They were almost killed, and there was a massive riot because everyone hated them. Yeah. So it's a massive <laughs> assumption to read Acts 2 and say, if we only preached yep. repentance and baptism every yep. time, people would... No, that's just yep. not true. So this is what drives me crazy because people do this all the time. I'm going to read one example from the book of Acts, yep. completely ignoring the rest of the book of Acts, and yep. say, oh, if only we did it like this. Yeah. The other assumption that they're making is that when the gospel the apostles preached was always repent and be baptized. So yeah. come on a little yep. journey with me. Ready? Let's do Acts it. Acts 3.19. Let's do it. Um, Peter's preaching in Solomon's portico, so in the temple. And it says in 19, repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. 
the end. Nothing about baptism. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. Right. So then you go to Acts 16, 31. Um, and it says, right, the Philippian jailer. So remember the earthquake happens. Yep. And the jailer thought like, I'm going to kill myself because all my prisoners have escaped. And Paul and Silas stayed. And he says, you know, don't harm yourself. We're here. And then in verse 30, uh, the jailer says, then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Almost the same question, right? That yep. the, 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 um, the crowds asked. And what does Peter say? Uh, and Silas, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. So again, there's not, hey, jailer, you must repent and be baptized. All Paul and Silas say is believe in Jesus. Yeah. So again, like this person is making massive assumptions. The, the, the gospel that the apostles preached, they worded differently depending on the situation. I'll give you one more, like Acts 20, 21. Um, oh, uh, so Paul is speaking to the Ephesians, uh, the Ephesian elders talking about how he preached the gospel. And he said, I did not shrink. I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, period. So he doesn't say like, and I taught you that you must be baptized in order yep. to be saved. Yep. So here's, I don't know, here's the, I don't want to say like the lesson. The, I think the lesson is it really bothers me when people are like, Acts 2, Acts 2, Acts 2. Yep. Without reading the rest of yeah. Acts. And yep. the apostles responded to different crowds differently. They didn't preach, repent and be baptized every single time. Yeah. So this person saying like, See, it's a different gospel. It's not because baptism is not a part of our salvation. Yep. It's, I agree, it should be an immediate response, yep. right? Like, you've believed in Jesus. Amazing. What's What should I do? You should like be baptized. The, like the eunuch who was reading yep. the scrolls and, and was like, yeah. I don't understand this. And then when he had Elisha, right? No. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, That's the old Testament. Bible characters yeah. are a weak point. Philip. Philip. That's yeah. who it was. So yep. Philip. Why did uh, I say Elisha? I don't know. Because you're not a Christian. I guess so. <laughs> Minor detail. Yeah. But Secondary point. I believe. What sh- What should I do? Be baptized. There's water. Right. Let's baptize you. It's It's a first. It not a first. It's a second step. Right. Like if you yep. if you believe it, then that is something that yep. you will do. It's It's like the fruit of the Spirit. If you yep. are a follower of Christ and you have the Holy Spirit, then you will show the fruit of the Spirit. Yep. Right? It's like. Um, it's like this. It's the same argument when people say, "Oh, there's a there's a second baptism of the Holy Spirit because look at these two verses where it happened one time." Yeah, it's like that's a that's a it's a terrible way to create a, a theology around something when you look at one example in the Bible, or even you know the filling of the Spirit. I think it's two or three times. Yeah. And then say, well, that is prescriptive for every human being yeah. for the rest of time. It's like, no, no, it happened. Praise yeah. God. Yeah. But just because it happened and it's recorded for us doesn't mean it always has to happen. Yeah. Right. So I think I think a good word of caution is when you read stuff like that and it's like, oh, man, it says this. And then everybody turns to Acts chapter two or Google's Acts chapter two and they read <laughs> it and they're like, oh, it's true. Yeah. Guess what? probably do a bit of a word search yeah, and totally. just read some other passages with that. Right. Cause yeah. you'll, you'll grow, uh, you'll grow your view of what that all entails. Yeah. So look, 
if you're in this example, look about baptism, research baptism biblically. And I mean that by looking in your concordance and going through a totally. few passages where it says it. Yeah. Read the rest of that book and see if it says anything about it. Mm. Read a few other books and see if it says, mm-hmm. right? When it talks about repentance, do a word search of that. You'll be amazed at where that word all is yeah. in scripture, yeah. right? And it builds quite an interesting picture more than just a a step of belief, yeah. right? Like even another example, I've heard people say that like, um, you know, Acts chapter two, the church is all meeting together every day, sharing everything they had. And uh, one guy that I, I met with, um, he's, his basic argument, if I can remember it, was like the church today is too structured. We have too many, we have too many. You don't hear that very often. Yeah. We have, you know, you, you do things this way and that way. And look at, look at acts too. They just met in homes. They shared everything. They listened to the apostles teaching. We need to get back to acts too. And I'm like, do you realize like the majority of the new Testament is Paul saying, this is how you structure the church. (laughs) Yeah. But, but again, there it is. Acts two. Yeah, that's the only thing that matters. And I'm like, just keep reading Acts. There's a whole they have book. council meetings. They have, you know, the the Jerusalem council. They have other councils. They have they're deciding. Then Paul writes about like, here's structure for elders and deacons. This and is how worship to conduct yourselves. So I'm like, but here's here's a guy that read Acts two and said the church today is too structured. That's why we have all these problems. I'm like, buddy, read the whole new Testament. The whole yeah. thing essentially is like, yeah. here's how you do church. God is not so, a God of chaos. He's a no. God of order. So again, it's a good caution to like, don't read one passage of like six verses and then say, we've been doing it all wrong. Cause it's like, yeah. No, not necessarily. So if you're if you're curious, if you're listening and you're curious, because this is something that I thought about while we're talking about this, we don't, as humans, just do this with the Bible. We do this with a lot of other areas in life, too. How many times have you tried to do the exact same thing over and over again for a certain result? It's a definition of insanity, for one. <laughs> but the other thing is, is... Like I, I think of in uh, even my relationship with Aaron, we have like we used to always go on drives, like just driving around Fort St. John. It's a small town. There's not much to do. Uh, so we would just drive around and we would have awesome, incredible, deep conversations. And I'm sure anyone who has dated and then gotten married has realized that when you first start dating, it's not the same as when you get married. Sure. And I can tell you there's been times where I'm like, man, we should just go back to doing that that way because oh, you're getting a phone call unbelievable it's wow. david hildebrand what a guy facetime I'll answer FaceTime. live on the podcast no, <laughs> yeah. no i'm not going to um but we do it right where we look for something where we're like hey that worked once we should do that again right think of yeah. examples if you are married in your marriage where you have done a certain thing so that you get a certain reaction from your spouse or from your kids and you try and do that again and then it doesn't work and you're like, well, what in the world? Like it worked last time. Yeah, totally. We do this yeah. all the time. So it's important to remember that that it doesn't necessarily guarantee the same response. Humans are not math equations. Two plus two equals four every single time. But as a human, a certain reaction yeah. Plus another person's life does not equal the same reaction yeah. every single time. So, and to be sure, like there are things in the Bible that are de- uh, prescriptive, which yep. is like, if you do this, this will, it happen. will work out way better for you. Yep. Right. Like if you, um, 
whatever. I can't think of it. Was, but anyways, so we're not saying like the whole Bible is just a story and it, it's not. Yep. No, but there's certain things that you read and you go, man, that's amazing. And I learn things about who God is and who people are and who I am. But it's not an equation where I go, okay, if I every single time say to my neighbor, repent and be baptized for the Boom, forgiveness Christians. of sins. Zoop, zoop, zoop. Oh, it'll work. No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. <laughs> but like the command to love your neighbor, we don't go, well, Paul was just describing what. No, like we're called to and, do that. And right? even with the repent and be baptized, that doesn't mean we swing to the other side of saying, well, that means we just have to say be baptized or just repent. Like so I texted David saying, can I call you in a bit? And his response was in all caps, rage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David. Anyways. But yeah, it's, yeah. I yeah. feel like we've said enough. I think we've said enough. Yeah. So discussion over. Topic number three. Are we going through all four of my topics? I don't know. We'll see. We've been recording for 40 40 minutes minutes already. I'm just going to get ready to text my wife because sometimes when she takes the kids to school, they stop in. Oh, and you don't want that. But I'm going to be like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm too busy for you. (laughs) But anyways, what do you got? So for the next one that I have on the list is... uh, Something that I've heard talked about quite a bit. We heard more of it during COVID. It's kind of simmered down a little bit. Uh, but it's something that I, I was thinking about and just trying to to find out what the biblical way of walking life this way is. Uh, and so I just have written, my body is a temple, period. Huh? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> why why do we say that, right? So, so examples that were given is people are like, I'm never getting the any vaccines because they're evil and they're horrible for your body and they're telling the person next to them in line in McDonald's and you're like well you're like what what's happening here or or people will uh you know I'm not getting tattoos because my body yeah. is a temple or I'm not getting piercings because it's a temple or you know those types of words so what does scripture actually mean when we talk about those concepts yeah so from first corinthians 6 paul's talking about sexual immor i almost said sexual immortality Uh. nope (laughs) sexual immorality and saying like you know you wouldn't sleep with a prostitute because right you're becoming one with them and then he says flee from sexual immorality and then in verse 19 he says or do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Um, Yeah, so I think... Sorry, it's funny. I'm trying not to be distracted, but my wife is like, pork chops? It's probably good that you're distracted by your wife. We had a pork chop dinner? I'm just like, yeah, I'm trying to talk about temple. temple, uh, Pork chops chops are bad. (laughs) Um, So... What does it mean that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? Yeah. It means that our body, our 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 nephesh is the dwelling oh, place. Yeah, Hebrew words Nerd. throwing it in there is the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Um, and so, 
Paul actually throws in a really important caveat there, along with the fact that we are a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Um, so in if you go back to Old Testament, this time I'm correct in going back to Old Testament. I'm not getting confused. Yes. The temple and the tabernacle, there is a place within those that is called the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. And that place is meant to be completely and utterly undefiled, right? Mm-hmm. If any of the high priests did anything in that room that was not sanctioned by God to be a holy action, mm-hmm. death. They would die like they literally would tie ropes around them so that they could drag them out in case they messed up. Right. Like it was a incredibly sacred place. So that's the imagery that's being used that Paul is drawing on to say, hey, do you not know instead of sleeping around, instead of uh, uh, becoming one with everyone Mm -hmm. or prostitutes, you know, your body is a temple. God lives within you. You Mm -hmm. should be holy. You are are viewed as righteous by God, so make his dwelling place holy, yeah. right? So he's drawing on that imagery, first of all. It's not uh, just a random concept. Yeah. Um, but then his his other uh, caveat that he put in there of, um, oh my goodness, my thoughts just went blank. Read the verse again. Do, do the thing. Um, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. There you are. You are not your own. You've been bought with yeah. a price. I think we, I think we in, as Christians, especially in North America, but I imagine in the rest of the world, because we're all human, North America isn't that special. Yeah. We think God has freed me so I can be the best me. It's like, no, God has freed you from sin so that you are his own. You mm-hmm. you are his servant. You mm-hmm. are a bond servant to Christ, right? Yeah. Paul talks about being, we used to be slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to Christ, yeah. right? We we labor so that we continue yeah. to work for Christ because he's purchased us with this. Yeah. It's not so that he purchases us, yeah. but because of that, it's, it's that double... You know, it's a two, I, I can't even think of the right words right now, but it's it's two fists coming at you with this example of <laughs> don't sin because you you are the dwelling place of God, but sure. also you are not your own to choose to do that anymore. Yeah. Christ has purchased you, yeah. so live like it, yeah. right? Yeah, so what, like the New Testament talks about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is where we get the idea of like, I'm going to ask Jesus into my heart. Mm. That's not really like anywhere in the Bible, but I get why we use words like that with kids, right? Because the Bible, like Jesus himself talks about like, um, that he's going to give us the spirit of God. When you surrender to God and repent and believe in Jesus through faith, um, then it says that the spirit lives in you, right? So whatever that looks like, right? The Holy spirit, the third person, like the spirit of God dwells in believers and that's what Paul's case here is, is he's using exactly what you said. Well done. Like the temple imagery, because the spirit of God was in the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. And he says, well, now we don't have a temple, right? We have believers. You are that temple now. Like yeah. the spirit lives in you. So don't, don't join the, the specific example is don't join yourself to a prostitute, but basically don't continue pursuing sinful things because the spirit of God dwells in you. So I think specifically we're told not to do things that are sinful um, because our bodies have been set apart. I think it's wrong and a stretch to say like, therefore you cannot get a tattoo 
because mm. your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit because we, and maybe we can talk about tattoos, but there's one verse in the Bible that says, don't get tattoos in the Levitical law right next to the verse that commands us not to wear garments made of, of different two types of yeah. cloth. So there's nothing in the new Testament and nothing from the words of, or from the, from Jesus or Peter or Paul or anything about tattoos. Mm -hmm. And yet I've heard people say like, well, my body's a temple, so I can't put that ink on my skin. Yeah. But then I've heard people say like, you can't go to McDonald's cause your body's a temple. You can't have a cheeseburger cause you have to take care of your body. And I think we're missing the point. Even I'll even be controversial and say like someone that's like, I can't get the vaccine cause my body is a temple. I think that is a misuse yep. because there's nothing inherently sinful about getting a vaccine. You can, I, and I don't want to go down this rabbit trail. You can make, <laughs> you can make all sorts of arguments about aborted fetuses and how they use it this or that or blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine, fine. But simplified ba to base, the concept best, of using base medicine. Level, yeah. If I go and get the flu shot, it is not sinful so me putting that medicine or whatever in my body is not, you're not treating your body like a temple of the Holy Spirit. I think anything that is sinful, then you're not treating your body. So when I go have sex and I commit adultery, I should say, when I go have sex outside of marriage, yeah. sex within marriage is great. Yeah. And it's totally, it's a gift. It's sanctioned. But when I go and sleep around and when I commit adultery and when I use my body for sinful things, Paul is saying, you, your body is not your own anymore. You are actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. You can't sin in with your body anymore. Don't yeah. do that. Right. Yeah. So I, it's such a stretch to say like, you know, you can't do this with your body. It's like, no, your personal opinion is that you shouldn't get the vaccine, Yeah, but that's not sin. It, it begs, it raises the question of what happens to a kid who breaks their leg. What happens to an adult who gets into a car crash and breaks a wrist? Like, yeah. well, were they not respecting the temple? Cause they broke their body mm -hmm. physically. Right. Yep. Like what happens with that then? Like how, where do you start drawing those lines? Um, I, I agree. I think it's a misuse when we use that as an excuse to do some things and not others. Um, yep. You, yeah. you are called to, as Christians, we're called to live righteously. And it's not that we're without sin. You know, the Bible is very clear that anyone who says that he is without sin has sin. Yeah. Right. First John talks about that. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, it's so inconsistent. Like this is what really bothered me. Like, again, we're not debating whether you should get the vaccine or not. If, well, now what, it sounds like you are. What what bo <laughs> what bothered me was Christians using 1 Corinthians 6:19 to say I have religious reasons to not get the vaccine. And then they go drive to Burger King and and I'm like you're being so inconsistent. Or go and get drunk that night or go like yes. those types of things. So but well I mean those are sinful things. I meant more like inconsistent in saying like I I disagree with the vaccine personally, but I'm going to try and use scripture to make it a religious thing mm. but then i'm also going to go to burger king and fill my body with garbage yeah and i'm not you know what i mean yep. like it was yep. just so inconsistent so i'm like yeah. yeah don't get the vaccine i don't care but yeah. don't be like it is because i am a christian that i no yeah. it's not sinful you just have a, a personal opinion yeah. and great i would i would even I would probably go as far as to say that when it, the Bible talks about our body being a temple, it's not actually talking about our physical health at all. 
it's talking about our spiritual health. Yeah. Um, because but, but, it, but we still do physical sinful things. Yes, and they affect us physically. Yeah. But those physical things are not eternal. Sure. Right? Yeah. So it, when Christ returns, if we... Uh, and I'm not... I'm by no means giving an excuse to do this. But if someone slept with someone outside of marriage and they ended up getting a sexually transmitted infection, then yeah, there is natural consequence sure. for that. And they have to experience it. But say they even do that before they're a follower of Christ, become a follower of Christ, still have that condition and die and are made new. That yeah, physical totally. thing is temporary, right? So yeah. if you get a vaccine, it is physically temporary. You're not going to be in the new creations being like, gosh, darn it. I wish I had gotten that. Can I see your uh, passport, please? To yeah. Get into this. Those <laughs> things don't matter. What matters, what, what Paul is getting at is the heart, right? Yeah. Even talking about uh, sleeping with a prostitute and becoming one. It's not that when you have sex, you're physically combined for the rest of your life limping around because it's weird. You like... You're laughing, but that's because it's true. You don't get physically joined as one. He's talking about the spiritual and physical. Yeah. By physical, I mean the, the emotional, the heartfelt things that happen when those connections are made. Yeah. That's the thing that affects us, that Paul is talking about and saying, don't do that to yourselves. You're a temple, mm -hmm. right? Your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit, so don't yeah. sin, yeah, it's not your body is a temple. Don't eat donuts. Yeah, right. So yeah, if you get a nose ring or you get a piercing or you get a tattoo, it's it's not that like oh, <laughs> well you're not treating your temple very well. No, that's not what Paul. Yep. Means. That's such a a poor mis. It's a misinterpretation of that that passage. I think. Yep. So I think what Paul is stressing is do not continue to use your body for in this in his immediate example for sexual immorality but for sin don't continue to use your body for that because you're now a temple of the holy spirit no like, matter what the sin is yeah whatever it is so Do we got time for one more? I th I think so. It's been fifty. If our listeners are still listening, three minutes. We haven't had any complaints that like, oh, it's too long. I know. So, I don't know. You, I don't have any more. <laughs> you don't have any more. So, all right. Uh, last one. Let's go with this. How much do you actually believe that the Bible is true? <laughs> okay. And so, what I mean by that is, uh. <laughs> the events that take place in scripture. So yeah. uh, as an example, like I know you well enough. I know what you believe well enough to like your, your view of the gospels. As an example, those four books, you would take those events to be true, literal happenings. They are there recorded so mm -hmm. that we would believe in the person of Jesus. Yeah. And I can say that confidently because you are a follower of Christ, meaning you need to believe those things. What I'm more so talking about is like Old Testament events, like when the uh, nation of Israel is leaving Egypt and they cross the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. How literal is that? When we talk about creation being seven days and, and man is made from dust, how literal do you take those things? It's This is not meant to be a controversy. This is meant to be a, a topic of conversation because i think it's something that you know some christians feel very very strong on i mean even at youth we have certain youth that as soon as that topic comes up it's like well it's a good thing we have genesis so we know exactly movie camera documentary how it happened but then we also uh, have some other people that i've talked to that are like 
Well, I I don't know exactly what mm-hmm. what it's trying to convey there. Maybe maybe we've been distracted by certain elements. I, so I'm just curious as a topic of conversation. Um, what's what's your take on the uh, how literal are the events in the Old Testament versus uh, are they artistic? Are they literal and artistic? Like what what do yeah. you think? And where would you get that information from? What what stems that answer? Yeah, I think my my issue is lots of times scholars that I read that say like, okay, like Jericho falling down, blah, 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 all these events. Usually, not always, but usually it's described as, well, it didn't really happen because we're trying to remove the miraculous nature of it. Hmm. Often, not always, but oftentimes it's like, okay, God creating the world in six days, clearly that couldn't happen. So it's clearly just poetic. I, I love that we do that as humans. We're like, well, obviously God yeah, can't do so that. I've, He's all-powerful. But all I've heard time. lots of arguments like that, like a worldwide flood. Okay, that that would never happen. And so yeah. many times it's just because we can't fathom the miraculous nature of it. So we go... Well, it just maybe it's just a story. So I'll give you an example. Like Job uh, is often brought up. It was mm. Job a real guy? Yeah. Like another one would be Jonah. Jonah yeah. actually gets brought up quite often. So for that one of the topic. reasons I believe that Job was actually a real person is because he's mentioned throughout the rest of the Bible as did, like. So when you read James five um, in the New Testament, he says, "Behold," and, and, and James is talking about like suffering and he says behold we consider those blessed who remain steadfast you've heard of the steadfastness of job and you've seen the purpose of the lord how the lord is compassionate and merciful and again you could say well he's just referencing the mythical story of job but it doesn't seem that way he goes you guys have heard about job right how he like suffered yeah um and then job is mentioned in ezekiel 14 as well uh, along with noah and daniel and they're just presented as these are real people yeah so for me i go yeah, you could argue that, well, Job's just kind of a story, but I'm like, but he's mentioned throughout the Bible and it, the way that he's mentioned, it seems like he's a real guy. Yeah. So for me, I, I err on the side of like, uh, yeah, I think these events really happened, but I also think where there are there details in them that, that don't change like the meaning of the story that maybe are used in an artistic way. Maybe like, yeah, I don't know. But I, I do believe the flood actually happened. I don't think it was just like a localized flood. And yeah. I do believe that Job was a real guy. I do believe those kind of things. And yet I think there's the way it's written. It is artistic too. It's beautiful stories that there's are There's patterns that emerge. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. But just because there's patterns, I don't think it doesn't mean that they're not true. Yep. I just think it's... Well said. It's, wow. Okay, God's amazing that he structures it like this and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, I was raised very much that everything in the Bible is a uh, very, very literal. Like, so uh, I'm trying to think of a good example that we haven't talked about already, but I'll, I'll use uh, creation mm-hmm. as an example. Um, I was taught very much so that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven days is exactly what it took. It's exactly this, it's exactly, and this, like basically the best way I could describe it is that yeah basically Genesis is an account where you have a documentary camera and you're watching God create the cosmos um and I think that 
as I've gotten older, I think I've started to recognize some of the artistic uh, patterns within it. It's not, so that's not what I'm saying is not to say that Genesis is not telling the truth about the creation event. What I'm telling, what I'm saying is that I think that woven into the truth, there's also elements that carry over artistically to other things in scripture. Sure. Right. These are like, it's not like Adam was sitting there watching God create the universe and marking this down. It wasn't even Adam who wrote Genesis, right? right? So obviously those types of things, we can't, we can't take them at the value of that they are a documentary style uh, in the sense of literally recording as it happens. Mm-hmm. That being said, you better believe it that Adam and Eve would have told their kids about creation and about what God had taught them and about all of the things they had experienced. And I mean, think of the stories that you more than likely know if you had a family know about your ancestors mm-hmm. and everything that's happened in your family history. Like, so in, in Mennonite heritage, it's something that we talk about often. Like we, we know our history to way, way back. Yep. And I, like, I don't know those people personally. And yet there's people that write books about them still. So like, yep. I think there's stuff like that that has happened with Genesis, but I don't think that that's reason to say that they didn't, that the events didn't happen. So I think I would err on the side that, yeah, I personally believe in the literal seven day creation, not that each day is a thousand years. So it's not 7,000 years, not 7 million years. Yep. But I also, uh, I heard one guy once say that he's willing to change his theology on the fly in the sense of after he dies, he's willing to change it on the fly if he's wrong. Cause it's not, or not, not change his theology. Sorry, that's the wrong word. But to change his opinion on stuff like that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I, I believe that God is omniscient, that he's all powerful, that he is able to do as he pleases with his creation. Totally. So if I'm wrong on the fact that it was a literal seven days, yeah, that's not a salvation issue for one. Totally. Uh, and for two, I, I think that our, like I've heard people say that if you don't believe it's a literal seven days, you cannot be a Christian because you don't believe the Bible. And I would argue that if you think that God is not able to create the world in which he deemed it to be, regardless of how that plays out, regardless of how it's recorded, then I don't know. Yeah. seems a little bit strange. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, But yeah, I would believe that they are literal events that the, authors of scripture have written in a way that can be viewed with artistic patterns in mind. Totally. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think it does. Well, we should wrap this up. This has been another off the record. That's over an hour long. So hopefully uh, that doesn't bother anybody. Cause and if it does just listen to the rest of it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can split it into two. Yeah. But yeah, if you ever have uh topics or questions or things that you are curious about you can always message us and we love to talk about stuff so maybe one day cam will join us maybe one day he's just so busy anyways (laughs) uh, (laughs) thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week bye